Welcome to Tales from the Mooseverse. We're glad to have you here. My name is Ian. Traveling through time to restore chocolate, which has been erased from history, Montgomery the Moose and Friends traveled too far and ended up in prehistory. After meeting the strange character Kanga Rex, they left to move forward. Without realizing it, they stranded the octopus El Ocho Loco 85.7 million years before his time. We'll catch up with him some other time. But for now, let's see what happened next with Montgomery and friends. As always, stay tuned after the story for a way you can join in. So now, here's today's Tale from the Mooseverse. In 642 BCE, in what is now known as the Tabasco region of Mexico, on the Bay of Campeche, a spaceship appeared in the sky amidst a multicolored glow. Although this was the region of the Olmec civilization of people, the spaceship, Alamina, arrived too high up for anyone to see it. Of course, the civilization is exactly why the spaceship and her passengers were there. The Olmecs were believed to be the first people to use cacao, the foundation of chocolate. Before we know how to fix chocolate, Montgomery the Moose had told the group, we need to see what happened. Now that Alamina has the full history of chocolate in her computer, we need to check to see where it all went wrong and figure out what to do. What do you mean? Phoebe had asked. The issue could be quite simple, Alamina joined in. It might all come down to the Olmec people starting to use cacao because a pod fell on the ground and someone wondered what to do with it. Except maybe when Montgomery said no more chocolate, maybe that first pod never did fall on the ground, so they never thought to use cacao pods to make anything. At this point, we really just don't know. So your idea is... Roger asked. Well, yes, if we see that cacao pods exist, but that no one's taking them from the trees, the idea is to knock a few cacao pods onto the ground for someone to notice, Montgomery the Moose's mom, Ruth, chimed in. Oh, I can do that, Roger replied, remembering her experience with the hard, crunchy eggs in the realm of dragons. It might not be that simple, though, right? Montgomery the Mouse asked. But Montgomery the Mouse's question was interrupted by Alamina's announcement that they had arrived. She also let everyone know that she had scanned the area and found a range of Theobroma cacao trees and a good place for them to land where they would not be seen by the local people. Still, Montgomery the Moose thought it best to cloak them in invisibility to avoid any problems. It was a hot and humid day as they landed in a wild clearing on the top of a hillside, surrounded by vegetation which was clearly undisturbed by people. To their north and west they saw tall fruit trees, mango trees, as Mr. Toucan pointed out. But as the group walked away from Alamina quietly and invisibly, they saw that past those were several trees around 15 feet tall, each with a dozen or more large, deep red pods hanging from their trunks. Okay, so the pods are here, Ruth the Moose assured her son. That's great news, right? Montgomery the Mouse added. Yeah, I think so, Montgomery the Moose replied. So maybe the issue is that people aren't using the cacao from the pods to make chocolate? Tamar asked before her sister corrected her. No, remember what Alamina said? The Olmec people didn't use the pods to make chocolate. They used them to make some kind of drink. Hot chocolate? Montgomery the Mouse asked hopefully. No, Phoebe replied sternly. Despite being invisible to the outside world, the group could see each other as normal. But even if they couldn't, many of them would have felt Phoebe's hard stare regardless. 
Didn't anyone else listen? They made some ceremonial drink using the pods, but they didn't write anything down, so no one's sure if they used the cacao beans or just pulp from the pods. Oh, right, I remember that part, Mr. Toucan said helpfully. Archaeologists found that it was made by someone called Theobromine. That's a crazy detail. I mean, how do they know the guy's name if they didn't write anything down? Phoebe slapped her forehead in frustration. It wasn't a person called Theobromine. Theobromine is a thing inside the cacao. It's part of what makes chocolate what it is. Or what it was, I guess. Or what it will be, Ruth said hopefully. So this is chocolate, Montgomery the Moose said dreamily. Chocolate exists. I didn't screw up, and chocolate is real. He stepped forward, almost in a daze. Before anyone could stop him, he lunged forward to munch a cacao pod. With Montgomery the Mouse riding on his head, Montgomery the Moose opened wide and chomped down on the closest pod he could find, which was as large as his whole mouth. Mmm, chocolate. He tried to convince himself and everyone around him that this was everything he wanted it to be, but quickly had to admit that it wasn't at all. Mmm, this is disgusting, he finally admitted, and spat out everything he could before eating all the grass he could find just to get rid of the taste. Yeah, Phoebe chided, maybe you all should have listened to what Alamina told us. To be fair, Bobby said, Spaceship does talk a lot, and it's not always easy to know what's important and what's her just talking because she likes to talk. Alamina has changed quite a bit since Central Park, you know, Fred told Bobby. Yeah, I noticed, Bobby replied. Hopefully someone will do me the courtesy of explaining that all to me. One minute I was with the octopus. Yeah, yeah, where'd the octopus go? Tamar asked. And the next I was with all of you, and Spaceship had grown and was calling herself Alamina. I mean, I know I missed a lot when I was chocolate, but I don't want this to become a regular thing where I just miss everything all the time. Shh, several members of the group said at once. There was rustling in the trees close by, and they stood still to avoid detection. Montgomery the Moose instinctively used magic to throw up a protective bubble around them. If any other creature came close enough, they would decide to go a different way, without really knowing why. But the two men who made their way through the trees didn't come that close. Instead, they stopped at a tree about 15 feet from the group. The friends watched as the two men used sharpened stone knives to cut off as many of the pods as they could carry by hand. They piled them in their arms and walked away again. When there was enough distance that the group didn't think they could be heard, many of them commented on what they'd seen, including some more confusion from Montgomery the Moose. So they are taking the pods, he said. What are they using them for? The group decided to follow the men to find out and started to make a move. They kept their distance but felt safe knowing that the men couldn't see them anyway. A couple of minutes into the journey, though, something happened. Montgomery the Moose stepped on a fallen branch and it snapped. One of the men turned to follow the sound and then Montgomery's invisibility cloak stopped working. The man screamed in alarm to the other man. The other man turned and saw nothing. Montgomery's invisibility cloak was working again, and then it wasn't, and then it was. The other man screamed, both men screamed, and they ran, dropping the cacao pods to move as fast as their legs could carry them. What, it's like they've never seen some moose, an alien, a raccoon, a dog, a toucan, and two little people before, Bobby said. And a mouse, Montgomery the mouse added, feeling hurt he'd been left out. Well, you're pretty small, they probably didn't notice you, Bobby added, as if that would be comforting. I, I don't understand, Montgomery the Moose worried aloud. I don't know what happened. 
I think, Ruth said to her son, I think we should go back to Alamina and rest for a while. See if we can figure this out. Maybe you've just been pushing yourself too hard. But that's not it, Mom, Montgomery replied. I could feel the magic leaving me, and then coming back and then going again, like it was trying to decide where it should be. Still, he agreed that rather than scare the local people more, it would be best to return to Elamina. So they walked. Passing through a fairly dense area of trees, Roger thought it might be a good idea to bring a cacao pod back to Alamina with her and worked hard to pull one down. Eventually, eager not to get left behind by her friends, she chewed the stem and let it drop to the ground. She grabbed it and walked awkwardly on her back legs to catch up. Wait up, she called, but as she got closer, the group had stopped, oblivious to her calls. Why is everyone? she asked, and then she saw. Pacing around in the clearing, directly between them and Alamina, was Ringo, the unpredictable horse. Oh, hello, the horse greeted the group, surprised to see them. This was the face and body of a much younger unpredictable horse than the one they'd said goodbye to six months ago, or thousands of years in the future if you looked at it that way. I'm Ringo, Montgomery and Montgomery said breathlessly. Unpredictable horse, said most of the rest of the group. You, Ruth said, with considerably less excitement. You know me? Unpredictable horse asked them. Of course we do, Montgomery and the Moose spoke for the group. You, oh, of course, that's why the magic left me. Magic? Ringo squinted suspiciously. Of course, you are the dragons in disguise again. I won't fall for it this time. A multicolored glow emanated from the horse's head towards the group, but slowed down and fizzled out a few feet from them. A bewildered horse looked at them. But I don't understand, he said quietly. Ringo, it's okay, Montgomery the Moose said, edging closer to this creature that he considered a friend, even if that friend didn't know it yet. How long has it been since the magic chose you? It's hard to say, unpredictable horse replied feeling it was safe to trust these creatures without really knowing why. I've been jumping through time for a while. The dragons tried to trick me, over and over again. After the great Gonzalo tried to catch me and ended up imprisoning himself, I've been exploring, going through time and space, just trying to find my place. You haven't met us yet, have you? Montgomery the Moose said softly. Who are you? The horse asked. We are your friends. Montgomery replied. The magic brought us together in the first place, a long time from now. Maybe it can help you see. Ringo the unpredictable horse looked at each member of the group to look for any tricks and decided it was safe to close his eyes, opening his mind to connect with Montgomery's. With his eyes closed, he saw everything. He saw that this creature in front of him was called Montgomery the Moose and they would become deep friends. Ringo himself would help Montgomery when the magic chose him as his successor. He saw the prophecy that the moose and the mouse would save magic. He saw the chocolate invasion. He saw their first meeting, but wait, wasn't this their first meeting? By the chocolate shop. Inside the chocolate shop, not that Montgomery knew it at the time, was this other moose, but he couldn't get inside her head to read her memories. That was blocked. But he saw Montgomery saying no more chocolate, and he saw how much the group cared for him and how they had taken him back to his home, the Garden of the Gods. He opened his eyes and looked at each member of the group again, this time without any suspicion. Just a few moments ago, they were strangers, but now his eyes saw family. 
Wow, he expressed finally. Yeah, wow, Montgomery the Moose agreed. You really messed up, Ringo said, and started laughing. What? Montgomery the Moose was a little taken aback, before realizing that Ringo was probably the only creature in the world who could really understand. And that made him laugh, too. Yeah, I did, he said, and laughed more. And with that, all the tension and self-judgment he'd been carrying around left him. Don't worry about it, Ringo said. I already accidentally erased something ten times better than chocolate, called Swirana, best food there ever was, and I can't get it back. But I figured, hey, no one else knows, so, you know, whatever. The group's eyebrows, for those who had them, raised in alarm. Was he serious? But then the whole group burst into laughter. Whether he was serious or not, it did seem to help. So, now what? Montgomery the Mouse asked after they'd settled down. Well, we know those people pick the pods, but we still don't know if they're using the cacao to make their drink, Phoebe pointed out. And if they don't make the drink, they won't pass it on to the Mayans who make chocolate. Can we do this part from the air? Roger asked. After all, she knew from her days living on the indoor mountain that what usually followed people screaming and running away like that was a larger group of people coming back with tools or weapons of some kind, and that wasn't something she was interested in experiencing. So the group walked up Alamina's open ramp. Trailing behind, Montgomery the Moose turned to Ringo. Are you coming? Montgomery asked. Just try and stop me, came the reply. I mean, don't actually try and stop me, because I'd actually like to come. Oh, Waffles, I'm not used to having friends. What I mean is, yes. Montgomery smiled. It was so good to see Ringo again. They climbed Alamina's ramp, and the ship levitated quickly. Cloaked fully again, the ship scoured the area for a settlement of some kind. Many of them gasped as they saw a great pyramid rising out of the mostly flat ground, more than a hundred feet tall. Sure enough, close by to the south of the pyramid, they saw huts and gatherings of people. At one end of the central plaza was a colossal stone carving in the shape of a person's head. Another breathtaking sight for these creatures who had seen more than their fair share of breathtaking sights. Around a large stone mosaic on the ground, people walked and sat, talking to each other as they worked. Alamina broadcast some sound from below into her cabin, and while they couldn't understand the language, the group could hear gentle laughter between parents and children. This was a community that cared for each other very much. Phoebe and Tamar suddenly missed their parents. Above an open fire sat a large, carved stone pot. Next to it, a small group of men, women, and children, maybe a family, sat and talked gently as they stirred it. And sure enough, next to them sat dozens of opened cacao pods. So they are making the drink, Montgomery the Moose announced with a mixture of delight and confusion. Okay, so that means the problem comes later, Fred reasoned. Maybe we should go to the Mayan period, Alamina asked. That might be the next step where something goes wrong. But wait, Phoebe said. This is our chance to find out something that was never known before. We could go down and find out if they use the beans or the pulp. Does that really matter? Tamar asked. The group was inclined to agree. But, but no one knows, Phoebe retorted. As an explorer of worlds and cultures, I have to agree, said Bobby. Alamina, too, agreed that this was valuable cultural information and lowered herself down before anyone could object. The best landing place was in the center of the plaza, on top of the central mosaic. 
Cautious not to disturb it, though, she hovered above the ground and simply lowered her ramp to allow her crew to climb down. Cloaked as they were, Montgomery and Ringo led a group of friends down into the settlement to see the process up close. Just as they were a few feet away from the family in the pot, though, something happened. Once again, their cloaking gave way, and once again, people screamed. Within seconds, a spear came flying through the air and landed point-first just a few inches from Montgomery the Moose's foot. A roar followed as a handful of men came running towards them, some armed with knives and maces. I think we need to get out of here, said Fred. They ran back up Alamina's ramp and the ship took off. Ringo and Montgomery together brought back the cloaking over Alamina, leaving the people down below bewildered and confused. Montgomery and Ringo were also confused. Why wasn't the cloaking working right? But Ringo thought fast. He wasn't as concerned about interfering with other cultures as Montgomery and took advantage of their confusion to suggest to their minds that they had seen creatures that were more common in their culture, jaguars. Their minds resisted Ringo's manipulation a little. Usually this was impossible, but again, magic was being unpredictable. The problems with magic also meant that the Olmec people saw the jaguars climbing up an invisible ramp and then levitating into the sky. So naturally, this didn't exactly help matters. Nonetheless, the gathering of people stood in awe until the jaguars disappeared out of view. And as they flew up and the group caught their collective breath, Montgomery the moose and Ringo the unpredictable horse huddled to talk. Why do things keep going wrong? Montgomery asked. Why isn't the magic working right? Is it just because we're both together? Not just us, Ringo replied. I know what the problem is. What? Montgomery pleaded. We're out of our time. Magic is jumping between more than just the two of us. Because magic has different guardians in this time. And if we can feel the magic being torn from us, so can they. Montgomery and the Moose gasped as he realized what Ringo was saying. The dragons. To be continued. Thanks so much for listening. With the return of Ringo the Unpredictable Horse, we'd love to hear your stories about him. What else has he been up to before this as he's been exploring? What do you think Swarana was like? If you could create something 10 times better than chocolate, how would it taste? What would be in it? And also, what do you think the dragons are up to in 642 BCE? We'd love it if you would send us your stories about any of these characters or any others you think would fit in the Mooseverse. You can record a story yourself on audio or video, or write it, or even send in pictures. We'll include some on our website, mooseverse.com, and we may even include a snippet on future episodes of the podcast. To keep up to date with Mooseverse news, sign up for the Tales from the Mooseverse newsletter at mooseverse.com. Mooseverse.com is also where you can find information about our online writing and story growing workshops. And remember to check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mooseverse. As always, we're looking forward to reading your stories. After all, the stories we tell and the stories you tell are all part of the Mooseverse. Thanks for listening. See you next time.